Lights, Camera, Asia. A look at Asian culture and history through the lens of cinema. Hello and welcome to Lights Camera Asia. I'm Jake Chan. In the last few episodes, we've been covering a movie called Outrage. It is a film that presents a relatively honest view of the nature of Yakuza, Japan's most powerful and enigmatic gang that is notorious for its legal dealings and violent nature. Now that we have gone over the film's plot, it is time to take a look at why the film is significant and representative of this particular culture from which it takes its inspiration. The first and arguably the most important is the level of authenticity that a film presents throughout the plot. Now we went through the stories in the last two episodes, but obviously we didn't have time to cover every nook and cranny of the movie. But let's take a look at a few of those moments uh, when outrage truly shines and elevates itself above the rest. In one sequence close to halfway point of the film, the head of the Otomo gang is inside a police station and talking to the chief of the precinct. The director presents this sequence with a brilliant parallel editing. And by parallel editing, I mean he presents two concurrent short sequences that is ongoing, and we see the process of the two sequences back and forth. The first is Otomo speaking to the police chief inside the station. The conversation begins with the chief playing his bad cop routine, yelling right at Otomo's face, calling him all kinds of disparaging and degrading names. At one point, he becomes so furious that he can't seem to control himself, as he gets up and starts kicking things around right in front of Otomo. It is at this moment that the film cuts to outside a police station. A member in Otomo's gang is seen waiting outside the entrance. He slouches on a stone rest in a rather unelegant manner, so much so that when a mother leaves the station with her daughter, she immediately recognizes him as a possible gangster, and in fear, she pulls her daughter to the other direction. Not that the man himself would care. In fact, he doesn't even care about the fact that he's lounging right in front of a police officer who stands guards in front of the entrance. The officer is fully dressed in police uniform, and has a very serious and solemn look on his face. But when a gangster looks at him in a clearly taunting manner, the officer stands still and does not do a thing. This is a clear display of the delicate power balance, or rather power imbalance, between the police and the yakuza. While the police. Represented by this well-dressed officer, seems to have the authority in public places. The yakuza is the one that wields real influence. At this moment, the camera cuts back into the room to further drive home the point. After the other officers leave the room, the police chief immediately gathers himself and changes his attitude and bows to Otomo to apologize for the little act that he has to put on. 
clearly all the yelling and kicking that he did is to pretend that he's a righteous and powerful man in front of other police officers. Behind closed doors, however, he clearly understands his place. He is a man who works in the police station while serving the Yakuza in exchange for some truce in his district. And despite the police chief's apologies, which is clearly sincere, Otomo still humiliates him by punching him several times. Now, let me just reiterate that we are talking about physically assaulting a police officer inside a police station. Now, you could argue that this is a fictional film and that this sequence is presented to add to the drama. But even with that in mind, the power of this sequence is undeniable. It represents how a facade of power displayed by the police can be so fragile and so far away from the truth, and how the concept of truth commonly expected and accepted by the public can be so fleeting. The table turn in a split second. A Yakuza gang member reveals its true devastating power on members of quote-unquote authority. And in that split second, the truth is shaken and everything changes. This rather cold-hearted portrayal of the alarmingly blurry line between the organized crimes and the organized law enforcement is what separates this movie from the rest. See, much like westerns and war movies, movies in the gangster genre, especially that from Japan, capitalizes on the rather violent nature of the culture in which it is based. Therefore, the violence is often portrayed on screen in a glorified manner. Filmmakers have often shoehorned in side plots such as romances and brotherhood to make gang members look like heroes that people can root for, can aspire to and trust and even support and relate to. Very few have portrayed gang members for who they really are, criminals who ruthlessly rob, steal, kill and threaten others to gain power and control. In Outrage, not a single gang member has any meaningful relationship with women. They either see their wives and partners as secondary beings at best, or they spend time with women in adult entertainment industry for the sake of, well, entertainment and very little else. The very highly cherished concept of loyalty and brotherhood is also challenged in this movie. Right from the start, the movie shows how one gangster can plot against others and even against those who have sworn to be his brothers. And all that just for personal gain. In fact, as we have seen in the last episode, the second half of the movie is filled with twists and turns where one underboss kills another right after they had just worked together not too long ago. This aspect of the movie which challenges the dominant view that gang members are somehow men with honor and loyalty who strictly follow a certain code of conduct, falls in line with the essence of gang movies from other cultures as well. The saying that an American gangster movie shows the dark side of the American dream is just as true when we look at Japanese gangster flicks. A true gangster movie like this one, in my opinion, shows the dark side of the Japanese society. 
See, when you look at the positive side with all the glitz and glamour and all the glossy modernism, Japan is a beautiful and welcoming place. And for the most part, I'm pretty sure it is when we look at it from an outsider's point of view. But as with a lot of countries and cultures, if one has inhabited like an actual Japanese citizen, as in someone who lives in the society for years and decades, who understands the underpinnings that keep everything together, I suspect one would know that Yakuza plays such a big part in the Japanese economy that it is difficult to oversee just how influential they really are and how little power the so-called police and authority really have. And not to mention, the nature of Yakuza is anything but honorable. These are men who, grouped together, choose not to make an honest living. They choose to resort to every means that you can associate with organized crimes to gain an edge in terms of finance and control in society. So in the end, the film managed to display all the ruthlessness, all the violent and extremely radical behaviors that engage in amidst their illegal dealings. And the film managed to do all that without trying to glorify or trying to lionize the central figures, because the film presents them as who they actually are. These are immoral men who, at the very core, do not obey any rules or any quote-unquote code of honor, because what they chase ultimately is power and control. And in order to achieve the highest level of power and control, they'd backstab, shoot, kill, slice, cut any of their so-called brothers at a drop of a head, which many, many characters in this film have done. And I think at the end, that is why the film is titled Outrage. Everyone in the film is in a state of extreme anger, and they all believe they deserve to be in a certain level of power and control. And their behavior, what they do to achieve that level of power and control, is nothing short of outrageous. It is not something that average people like you and I would ever fathom of doing, yet this happens on a very, very frequent basis in the film. With all that being said, it doesn't take away from the fact that a film is beautifully shot. And I mean, the cinematography of the movie really is very beautiful. And the soundtrack that was composed for the film really helped to sell the tense, the life-threatening atmosphere that happens around the corner. So I certainly hope the subject matter haven't turned many of you away and that you could somehow stomach a lot of the blood in the gory detail. Because when we strip the film of this facade, what we see is a story that is well told, that is well written, well acted, and most important of all, that is as authentic as a gangster film can be to reflecting the reality of the world in which it is based. Thank you for listening to this episode and to this mini-series of Lights, Camera, Asia. And I hope this gives you a pretty good idea of what a high-level Japanese gangster film looks like. I'm Jake Chan, and this concludes our mini-series on Outrage. In the next episode, we'll start a whole new mini-series on a whole new film. And I look forward to talk to you then.
served. Join Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu as they sample their way through Taiwan's culinary delights. Andrew, I thought we said no more intestines. <clears throat> That's on Feast Meets West every Saturday, only on Radio Taiwan International, radio for refined palates. <laughs>